1: Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand what your company is worth and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information
0: you need to get clarity and control over your business, build a valuable company to be proud of, and exit on your terms. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 166, and this episode is for you. If you're sitting there and you've built a good business and you're trying to figure out what do you do with it, you know you've got a lot of pride, you've sacrificed so much, and had to fake it till you make it. We've talked about this whole topic with a bunch of other podcast guests that entrepreneurs have to contain all of that, so that way you actually can win the next client, continue dealing with payroll, continue building the business, work with your investors, but. But it becomes very lonely. And if you are sitting to, uh, next to other entrepreneurs and you're only comparing revenue, then you're comparing the wrong reasons or the wrong things and the wrong reasons. And there's so many things wrong with it because so much ego gets tied up into that. And you can't actually address what help you need, who you need to be sitting next to that can help you guide through all the decisions that you have to make about what do you do with your company and why. Today's guest's name is Dan Cooper, and he is a co-author of a book called Sharpen, which is a guidebook for business owners and adventures in leadership. It's a fantastic book about how to be an entrepreneur and how to be a good person, how to keep your courage, and while making really hard decisions, like laying people off, working with your customers and clients, and actually growing a valuable business, but also being a good person, highly recommended for everybody. And the reason that Dan has the credibility to write a book like this is because he co-founded a company called EJ4, which is a video-based online training company in 2003. And I want that to sink in because Dan and his co-founders were doing online video-based education content almost 20 years ago when today it's the fad and they're valuable companies and they're scalable companies but they transitioned an entire old-school sales training company into something that was scalable content driven on the web and they grew that up to a nationally recognized firm selling and serving servicing fortune 500 clients and as of 2012 ej4 was serving over a thousand of them and delivering millions of program views and they were debt free and he ended up selling it in 2012. And some of the dynamics that he learned after growing and selling it is because he was partners with his dad, there was different dynamics between age, between him and the other partners, and there was so much going on that they thought that the best thing that they should do was to sell it. And today we wanna talk about the things that you don't know can completely come back to bite you because Ego gets in the way, talking to other owners who pretend that they have things put together or other advisors that are just specifically solving for transaction or highest value don't necessarily understand all the dynamics of what it means to have a company and to have humility and say, hey, I need help and I need the ability to solve this problem and how that impacts partnerships, family dynamics. And Dan shares his whole story, which is so helpful because so many people, and if you're listening to this and you've got a partner, especially a partner that's got different financial needs, different timelines, different different rest, risk appetites, listening to this will at least spark your interest to say, These are things that I need to talk about. I didn't know this. And now I realize that these are slightly important. And if you want to expand on this and your knowledge and understand how to take control over the valuation of your company, the future growth of your company, navigating all the exits and managing all the advisors, check out our boot camps that we're doing every other month between Minnesota and then Dayton, Ohio. And we're also going to be launching some in the future in Florida and a couple other places. But this is a way to learn how the entire game is played strive for value growth and focusing on valuation and valuation enhancement instead of just solving for your annual income by completely changing the game. And as Dan and I talk about it in this episode, if you're focusing on valuation and value growth, you have endless amounts of options and choices and freedoms to be able to do what you want to be able to do so you can fix all the dynamics between partnerships, between different exits, and the future growth of you and your company. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Dan. You're going to learn a lot and have a bunch of takeaways of things that you should start thinking about every single day. So without further ado, here's my episode with Dan Cooper.
1: Sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Three days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Three days at Arcona's Bootcamp will give you the clarity to control the rest of the journey.
0: Good morning, Dan. How
1: are you? I'm fantastic, Ryan. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, I was uh, enjoying our little banter back and forth before we got on the show, which means I think this is going to be pretty fun because you had mentioned something about a script, and I don't think anybody that's been on this has followed it. If they, I know, I know, Dennis, uh, you guys' PR agent would appreciate some sort of script, which is why he sends over the pre-documents. But I, we'll see if we cover them.
1: Uh, I I doubt it, and uh, that's great.
0: <laughs> so Dan, you you know we're. You're on the show because you guys have a book that's amazing and you guys have, you know, you and your partner bought both grown, sold companies. You've got a community of entrepreneurs and you've got uh, an interesting lens that you have wrapped this all together. And I was just telling you that I've interviewed the CEO of Conscious Capitalism and the Halftime Institute. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of stuff we're going to be able to um, unpack today, but so for the listeners who have not familiar with your book or familiar with you and your partner's backgrounds or where you came from, maybe kind of just give us the cliff note version and then we can kind of uh, unpack it from there. Sure.
1: So uh, the book is called Sharpen and it's a guidebook for business ownership and adventures and leadership. And really it's this meta theme of knowledge versus wisdom. And, you know, are is things that are always true and knowledge is things that we're always chasing. Background uh, is uh, entrepreneur. Exit. Figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, and now a part of a community of CEOs and owners where we help to sharpen, challenge, and inspire through uh, peer advisory, executive coaching, and uh, community
0: events. Which um, I'm which I love, and I I'm a big advocate for you know entrepreneurs getting some other. <laughs> Some people around them that understand what payroll is like and yeah, what it means to, to make really hard decisions. And what I what I what I'm interested intrigued with about your the book and then also the peer groups and I don't know in the community I don't know exactly what the layer because you know the whole book is based in proverbs and King Solomon and you know so there's a layer of of Christianity and religiousness over this which I I find interesting Dan because you know I've been I was part of Vistage and you know you've got all the other typical peer groups and there's a lot of egos that go involved into those groups you know mm. because you don't have like an overall guiding compass so like maybe kind of explain your like the background and kind of the lens that you guys have and how that's different compared to everybody else
1: sure so it comes to, to faith there's this weird plain glass stained glass tension and so plain glass is everything that's out in front with your company It's the profit and margin and marketing, and sales and people and operations and all that kind of stuff. But then there's the stained glass component, which is how do I come to the world every day and make decisions and lead and manage not only myself, but a company? What is my philosophy on people? And how do I look at profit and legacy? And Mm -hmm. so what we found is there was a a gap when we were in groups that didn't have shared values. And because the advice and or the takes were so different, if we're all coming together with the same bedrock, then we're starting from a different point. And that includes increased trust, increased uh, shared values, and safety in talking about all the things that are hard to talk about, uh, especially when you're in a group.
0: Yeah, which I mean, I I give this analogy where if you know what your point B is, then everything kind of comes into focus a little bit. But if you're kind of just waking up and letting things happen to you, I mean, it's very difficult to make decisions and weigh everything against each other, which as an entrepreneur is like almost every minute.
1: It's funny how often
0: we use this hope as a plan.
1: And so there's so many times that we put all these plans together, but when we just hope it works out at the end that doesn't work. So <laughs> what are other ways that we can uh, work together to move everything forward uh, that has a guiding principle uh, to always bring us back? Because uh, the craziness of business is what pushes us out away from whatever you want to call it, your journey, your path. And so this walking this line at all versus together just makes everything go well.
0: Yeah, I mean, and yeah, I, so let's go back, um, Dan, and because I think you, you and I were talking um, pre-recording about your journey, and because I think your and your partner's experience gives a lot of, I mean, it's it's street cred, right? I mean, you've gone through it. You, I, I actually liked the one of the quotes you, or the paragraphs you had where the, all the bones and bruises and everything that comes with it. So, you know, mm. where where did you become an entrepreneur? And like, in was it an accident? Was it on purpose? And then what was your kind of your growth path before you ended up um, actually doing the final exit? So I grew up
1: in the household of an entrepreneur and uh, a solopreneur. He was a sage on the stage stand-up trainer. And so he worked out of the basement and uh, was gone for three or five days at a time. If you remember, people used to spend five days in a room getting sales training. Um, the <laughs> Sam, amount <yeah. laughs> of quota sitting in those rooms had to be <laughs> astronomicals. A lot of like, payroll. You, on, payroll. You know, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, uh, I think they counted up one time. It was like $50 million sitting there that just, uh, anyway. So that was then, uh, and we were his board of advisors sitting around the kitchen table as a solopreneur and a sage on the stage. Who would you talk to? He used us as a sounding board. So, we had all sorts of silly knowledge as teenagers that you shouldn't have. Uh, and he was a sales trainer and a management uh, trainer. So okay. we also had strange knowledge. When I got out of school, ended up starting a multimedia production company. It was the first time you could edit video on a computer mm-hmm. and buy a $3,000 HD camera versus 150000 And so with some enterprise contacts that I had, started doing videos and DVDs. The internet was starting to come of age. So uh, training videos, uh, marketing videos, and it turns out it had three or four quarters worth of projects on the books, it was just starting ramp up, and uh, September 11th mm. And within 48 hours, the business was gone. Just, hey, emails, uh, hey, we have pulled back all of the uh, contracts. And so I had to go get a real job. So I went and sold stuff. Uh, I sold uh, technology and medical software. And at the same time, my dad's business changed as well. No one wanted to pay for you to get on a plane or everyone else to get on a plane um, and take you you out of the market for a week. So we started with another partner or a friend of his, a video-based online training company think YouTube for the enterprise. It was all the stuff that they did on stage, except we recorded short videos. And at that time, short was 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so in month three, we were profitable. They just sold the same stuff they were always doing back to their clients in a new format. (laughs) Is it a great idea? At the same time, they still had their big boy jobs. And so I was. Chief bathroom cleaner, but also running all of the operations and um, supporting in sales. And so, over a decade, went from you know small shop uh, to growing to 30 employees. And we didn't know it at the time, but we created a SaaS company. It was basically content as a surface, mm-hmm. uh, as a service. We started selling Netflix-style subscriptions of all of our content. And you're like
0: 20 years ahead of your time.
1: (laughs) And the internet didn't know, no one knew how that was going to go. Video was a huge pain in the butt in the the beginning, because we were trying to convince IT shops it was okay. And then by the end it was, hey, can you get this on the phone? And (laughs) so it just, it shifted so drastically. So Margins were like a SaaS company. It was really fun. A lot of technology integration, huge content production house. Good time. So,
0: yeah. Well, what, 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 was the turning point? And like, as you guys were going, I mean, kind of like the, the, the sequence, did you and your dad, I mean, were you, were you equity partners? And then like, did you have an idea of where you were going and what the, the whole point was, or was it just, you know, riding the wave of growth and having fun?
1: So it started with just riding the wave. Hey, here's a huge, opportunity because the need is there, uh, because their incomes were were crashing. So they're like, we need to reinvent or die. Mm-hmm. So that was the impetus. Once we got into it, it turned into, well, this is a thing. And so I was a minority partner. So they were the two majorities and they were the old guys. I was a young guy. And so that ham and egging, that one, two punch was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could bring technical expertise and energy And they brought the gray hair um, and stuff. One of the challenges... (laughs) And and stuff. There was other things there. (laughs) So the thing we didn't know is two solopreneurs were solopreneurs for a reason. They worked by themselves. They ran a company by themselves because that's how they uh, saw the world. And they were hard to work with when it came to large groups. Great to be a person on the stage. And so really, none of us had any idea how to operate a real company mm-hmm. and what the people problems were like and cash flow and just all the things. So we, it was learning on the fly with all of us. And of course, I was doing all the research of, hey, I, I believe this is the way we're supposed to go. And this is how other people are doing it, or at least so says the internet. And I was classic head down execute. Mm-hmm. We were a national company, so you know all the network was totally national. And I think I left a a lot of things on the table from a personal perspective.
0: So where where were, where did things shift as like you were like. Cause usually what I found out is like, there's some kind of event, you know, whether it's something personal or something in the industry or the market, you know, the September 11th already happened. So that was kind of what helped this pivot. But when I call it the, the looking up, like, wow, okay, now what's the point? What's the point of the yeah. business? What, what, what's our goal? Like, was there some sort of circumstance or situation for you that, that, that triggered that? Yeah.
1: So there's a business one and then a personal one. The business one is uh, we were doing custom content, super expensive, You put everybody's logo on it, their examples, and it started to become a grind on our production process. And so we decided to take a big swing and take all of the content that they have and make it off the shelf, which is make it generic. Mm -hmm. And two was we had a huge challenge with sales. Uh, We couldn't find direct salespeople to save our life. And so uh, installed a partner reseller channel sales opportunity. And what took off as a a tiny revenue is now, I don't know, it was over 30 or 40% of the entire company's revenue when I left. And so there was this point where we had to decide to totally reinvest about halfway through Mm -hmm. and say, okay, what do we want to be when we grow up? And that is when we got laser focused from just, hey, selling like they did with stand-up training and, hey, do you have a custom project to... You no, know, we're a content company that delivers value. What do you want from a library perspective? To go. So during all this, so that's the business side, uh-huh. personal side. During all this, um, one of the partners got divorced. Um, as they got older, uh, their farm was situated, and this tension came up: of do we want to grow, or are we just shoving cash in our pockets? And of course, as the sages they were. They've already bet the farm several times, right? And I was ready to go bet the farm, mm-hmm. and we were making enough money where uh, life was good. And so I had this aha: like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Is this all there is? And am I just going to, you know, churn away for the next twenty years doing this, or is there something else? So through a lot of pride, a whole bunch of egos, a lot of lawyers. <laughs> um, we had, we had what happens to marriages when you stop doing what got you there. It's the only, th- the only thing that what got you here will get you there is relational, especially in your partnerships. And so we stopped, uh, we were rubber stamping, um, quarterly meetings. Basically it was like, Hey, how are we going to distribute profits? Um, the re- relations were gone. And so um, we got to the point where somebody had to win. And so you would think that uh, it would be the young guy, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And again, You ego, and lawyers. And so <laughs> my dad and I took our exit and sold it to the other guy. And when you have a contentious uh, breakup, I was the CEO one day, and 24 hours later, I wasn't. Oh gosh, And that's I- the craziest exit you can have. So one day you have title, you have a company platform behind you, you have network, you have resources, you have people. And the next day, you're just a dude. And if that wasn't, (laughs)
0: oh my gosh, that wasn't
1: like a shock to my system. And that was my personal wake up call. So it, it, it had been coming before. It's like, golly, what are we doing? And then that was like, oh, by the way, why don't you figure out who you are? And then let's figure out what's next.
0: Oh my gosh. I totally can relate to all of that. <laughs> oh man, Dan. Like, it's so true though, too. Cause I was the young guy in my debt. Like I wanted about the farm. He didn't. And then like, yeah, I, it's so funny. Cause I interviewed this guy. Um, he said that it's like, his name is Mike Malkowitz. And we were talking about, uh, like the business and it's intertwined, and in which I think we're going to get into, like between your personal identity, your ego, your finances, it's one big ball of everything. And when you yeah. have that, you just—it's like a surgical removal of your business. And if you don't do it right, it's like ripping Siamese twins apart. <laughs> just yes. like, oh my gosh! So what? I mean, what did you do? Like what? Like how did you process it? I'm curious because I—I'm still. Trying. <laughs> so it's—it's it's funny that is a
1: scar that you will always have right that's it's something that's there it's the it's part of the memory of like okay that's what that is so the first thing is when's the last time you got a sabbatical on purpose and never like when have you taken more than um two weeks vacation much less months or any other time uh so the first thing i did was nothing so for 30 days i hung out and was like let's just press pause there's been so much churning and gnashing of teeth let's just pause and remember what my family looked like and my kids second then was wanted to figure out and try some different things so this was when incubators and you know the startup scene got sexy and what i found out in that is you can waste a lot of time money and energy <laughs> on things that aren't going to grow. Some people do it really well. I am not one of those people. Oh. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot. I mean, a ton. How expensive uh, is that? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's quite a nice MBA, right? <laughs> Tuition uh, payments, right? <laughs> it, is, it is a nice MBA. And who knows, maybe 15 years from now, one of those will <laughs> Uh, But there's a lot of pieces of paper that are worth $0 now. Because of that experiment. And so, and through all that, I, I learned some very unfortunate things that I was what I did for a living, like so many of us. I had no network locally. I had people I would stand next to on the sidelines at my kids' games, but because it was a national company, I literally didn't have someone to call and go to lunch with. Hmm. And my team no longer could talk to me because that would be uncomfortable for everyone. Yep. So what do you do? And you ask a lot of what, why, how, who questions. And there's a lot of searching that goes on of how did I get to here? And how what's next?
0: It's uh it's so interesting too, because like you know, I and this kind of goes back to and I'm curious and like as you're like interacting with all the executives and the and the owners that you're with now, is it to to go through that. And this is where the in the in Bob Buford's halftime, you talk about the S curve, <laughs> and the, you know there's yeah a, there's that little that little area where it transitions, and ideally you do all this while you still have your company, <laughs> right, because <laughs> like it's really painful without the cash flow, without the community, without the network, without the infrastructure. It just is. It's it's more effective if you do it beforehand.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, you'd be
1: amazed how fast it happens, though. <laughs> uh, so the one benefit is that the speed at which you can do it because, you know, there's this, this sucking sound of cash leaving your household <laughs> and that's a heck of a motivator. And yeah, I did consulting and all that kind of stuff, but it still wasn't what was next.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you, like, what were some of the tools and then that you used to process that? And then what ended up? you know, introducing you to your partner, kind of the whole, the, the rest of the journey.
1: So the simple one was uh, coffee, lunch, coffee. Um, if you don't know any humans, it's pretty easy to go meet them. And Kansas city, the town that I live in is a fairly open town in that way. Uh, how do we help each other mindset and philosophy? So that was one. Two was circles. People interact in circles. Versus rows, right? We learn in rows, we talk in circles. That's why I believe so much of, of what we do today. So, had to go find some circles to create community and connectivity. Ended up doing something called a personal strategic life plan. It's not unlike the halftime concept, uh, but with a, a little different labor. And uh, that goes from some, some deep pondering, uh, some writing, uh, asking others. Uh, who you are, what your strengths are, and what you should do, be, and not do, and not be. And really just a great time of reflection. And of course, it ends with the eulogy exercise, which we all oh, yeah. don't love, <laughs> um, which then sets you on this new path. And I think the biggest thing that I got from it was clarity. When your head is down in your business, there's so many things flying at you it's hard to get back up into the helicopter and get into the clouds and look down. And so to be forced to have that time was a godsend uh, because I wouldn't have done it any other way. And He probably that I'm sure.
0: So um, then this kind of goes into, you know, your book and what you guys are doing. Cause I like what you and I were saying um, before the show is like, you know, my mission and that sounds like, I mean like you guys are on a parallel path is like, how do we help the listeners and owners figure out how to look up and get clarity before there, before anything traumatic happens, right? I mean, whether it's personal, cause I mean, business takes a toll on you and in how yeah. do you, like how do you get people to look up and start processing this stuff?
1: I, one is what is two ways. One is who are you hanging out with? I think the community aspect, I do believe that you are the culmination of the five people that you hang out with and, and all of that is true. So, so, what is your circle? Two is if you've done the wheel of life, you know, there's this thing, it's a wheel, it has like eight pieces of life. Have you done an assessment on any sort of basis? It's funny we do this to our business. We have scorecards and metrics and KPIs and we have planning sessions and we have (laughs) same page meetings and uh, you know, you name it. When's the last time you did that for yourself or your family or your marriage or your health? And so what is the check-in on a weekly, monthly, quarterly annual basis for you?
0: You know, it's uh, it, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, when I realized, Dan, from like the clients that I work with, my old situation, it like it's so like, you know, there's this, this, I actually, one, one guy interviewed, he called it the monster that is your business or it's yeah. your, the affair that you have with your business instead of your wife and your family. And so there's all these things right. where like it be, it gets out of control. We're like, how do you, cause I think about like, but let's take that example for a second. So like, you know, cause you've got a, you got a bunch of different tools in your book, Sharpen, obviously that's not hot. <laughs> yeah. And there's the, you know, there's the absolute fear and denial of addressing the situation. Right. I mean, like, okay, so I know that this is out of control. I know that I'm working too hard. I know that I'm, you know, and, and even later on, Dan, with what I see is that people's companies aren't worth what it should be to make all of this crap worth it. Either, yeah. So you have to like literally stop and stare in the mirror, and most people don't want to see what's in the mirror. So how do you how do you tackle that? Uh well, humility. <laughs> pride
1: is the root of everything, and pride is one of those things when um, people tell us every day how great we are. We sign their paychecks. We're pillars in the community. It's easy to believe the things they're coming at us. And so to take a step back in humility, and there's actually a an assessment that'll kick your butt in the book, I, I still hate taking it. Um, and <laughs> but it's it's this revealing picture of yourself. And so I it's it's pride and of course it's it's fear of you're afraid of what you already know, or afraid that you're gonna have to change and do something you don't want to do. And, and I find that's usually not the case. Usually there's a giant sigh of relief of, I know this is how it's been going, and I want to do something different. And it's, it's not the how to do it. Once you define the challenge, how to do it's pretty easy. We're great at how. Heck, right. there's Google. Go figure out how on Google. <laughs> but you have to decide what to do. And that is the crux of all leadership. What direction are we going to go? what are we not going to do? What will we say yes to? That is the hard stuff that we get paid big dollars. How to do it? Uh, We'll figure out 50 ways, one of them will work.
0: So like, and I think that's the interest, you bring up a lot of good points because I think a lot of people struggle with the how, right? I mean, like this is kind of goes back to, you know, your business just kind of gets a hold of you and your how is just indirectly planned for you through like a, like a set of, you know, micro circumstances. Like, so there's the, you know, there's EOS or they're scaling up or there's any of these different planning tools. Right. And you know how many times Dan, (laughs) I'm like, what's your plan? Oh my gosh. If I had a dollar for every single time I heard, I'm going to double my revenue. Like (laughs) good for you, man. Did you, were you up all night thinking about that? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, okay. So is it the right revenue? Is it the right reason? Do you want it? I mean, like, <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's
1: great. Uh, so, all right. Question for you. What's your response
0: to that? Well, that's what I asked. I go, well, have did you like, did you like, what, why? <laughs> like I literally say, well, what, what's the point? And, you know, and I think that's the change, like what you said is like, you know, in a lot of the communities and a lot of the, entre- I mean, entrepreneurs are an interesting breed to begin with because of us being like risking insane amounts of things to be competitive and to win in different things. And then you're always then comparing yourself to the next entrepreneur who is, I mean, for, in a SaaS company versus a, you know, a law firm, you know I mean? Like you're just comparing things that are not equal whatsoever. And so that there's like this whole, like when I said that like, your strategic plan gets guided by all the egos that are sitting around you, right? Yeah. Versus like, it's the, I don't think that there's a lot of people that actually sit down and say, why are you doing this other than some of the communities that we're talking about, like conscious capitalism or small giants or like what your guys are doing. So like, how do you flush that out? Because it's hard to like smack someone across the head and say like, that's maybe not the right answer.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, if you steal from Simon Sinek's uh, Mm -hmm. like people don't buy what you do, they buy, they buy why you do it. I think that starts with the owner first until you know, why you're doing what you're doing you can't run your business that way and you can't get into a room with your executive team and figure out why you personally or you and your partner do it so there is some hard work that's done individually and if you're not sure how you know executive coaching is a great way to do that I mean that's if, if there was one thing executive coaching does it's on earth's deep waters. Um, and, and we're not talking about like holding hands and crying. We're talking about like, why, who are you really? And why are you here on earth? And what do you want to do with it? I heard a, I heard a stat in a message uh, from this weekend. Guy was talking about there is 90,000 hours you spend at work over your lifetime. And that number floored me. Um, And he listed other numbers and nothing was as high. You spend less time with your family, I think half that, than you do time at work. So this work time is important and why you do it is important. And to identify that is really key. And you'd be amazed at how much energy and uh, clarity of direction and what to say yes and no to when you inside know the direction that it's supposed to go. And then you can start... Leaking that out little bits at a time to your team, to your family, uh, and then all the time to yourself because we forget
0: over and over. I agree, and like it's, it's. I don't know, Dan, if it's it's something that's maybe generational because like I'm obviously more towards the younger end of the spectrum, but then like a lot of my clients are baby boomers and. this whole conscious capitalism, why you're doing it, the halftime success, the significance. It's a, it's a fairly newer movement in the relative timeline of most of these boomer entrepreneurs who their why was buy more stuff, provide for my family. I'm going to make a widget. (laughs) And then next thing you know, you know, they've got, you know, 70 employees and 10 million in revenue and that's, you know, like what they're doing. And so like, it's trying to like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of layers on top of that to try and figure out the why. And I mean, what, what are different, you know, other than executive coach, I mean, I mean, like you've got your book, you've got your, I mean, like what's your guys' community and stuff like that. What are the ways that you're challenging someone like on that end of the spectrum that, you know, it's a life, it's an existential issue because, but is that the right word? No. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, like, it's- cause you're like, who am I? I mean, and you're doing that at a later age with a lot of stuff that relies on you. <laughs>
1: uh but it's easier because you have a lot of feedback. Most people know who they are, they just don't take the time uh to sit down and do it. Uh I give you two reasons why you have to figure out your why. Uh one's a business one. You know, you talk about millennials and the next generation. If you don't know your why and you cannot communicate it, you will not be able to rec- recruit. Uh and this is not like yep. fuzzy, you know, kumbaya millennial stuff. This is like no it's important. Therefore, you need to be able to talk about it um, and have a powerful one to see if they want to join or not. So, that is the business reason why you need to know it. Uh, The personal reason is for your own legacy. Because if you just, we're going to farm until there ain't nothing to farm no more, like, great, um, (laughs) except your retirement is going to be really challenging. And once you know your why inside your business, you will never have more time, people and resources to impact this world than when you're in your business. It's amazing to me how many owners are like, I can't wait to be yeah. generous. I can't wait to, you know, go work at that nonprofit and and write that big check. And they're missing a huge opportunity which is you have all that right now. And I didn't know that until I was literally kicked out mm-hmm. one day. And it's that was a, yeah. the craziest I was like oh my goodness I had all the stuff that I said that I was going to get but it was already there
0: I just didn't see it well it's interesting let's let's take that for a second and pull that thread because you know I talked to uh, um, a couple of people on the show about this of you know using your, ba- plat- your business as a platform to change lives and that's kind of the whole theory of conscious capitalism of like it's not just about the top line and the bottom line or your valuation it's about like because I, I, it's about all the things that the, the ecosystem of people you can impact. Because like, I mean, yeah. I, I've watched, I mean, I watched so many people on the show, Dan, where like they netted so much money and they're like, well, I don't have an infrastructure anymore. Right. So now I have to go sit yeah. on boards and play Kumbaya yeah. and like all this red tape versus like, okay, I can go ask every one of my vendors that I spend lots of money with to donate. Or I can, you know, like, uh, yeah. one, what. uh, one gal, um, she has ten thousand employees, and she created a whole, um, uh, she created a whole like abuse program for her employees. And like, I mean, you can't do that without a company. So, like, <laughs> explain. No. Them, have you seen other people do some pretty pretty cool things as they've kind of reshifted and like become aware of that before?
1: Yeah. So let me give you. Well, you have the big one, right? It's the it's the ten thousand people, and and the funny thing is, we hear all the stories about these. Giant undertakings like we started. Uh, one of the clients in our community uh, has a project called uh, the Global Orphan Project. And so they have um, an engine that supports um, orphan care in Haiti. And it is awesome. <laughs> and when you talk to him, your mind explodes because you're thinking, how would I ever get to hear? Like, that is so big and there's so much in it, I, I'll just not start. I'll just go back to my company. So That's a good um, on the other end of the spectrum, another client in our community decided that financial acumen was uh, a key for him. And so what they provided, uh, and they were hearing things from their employees of, oh gosh, it's hard, or I, I wish I could manage my my budget better, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, okay, why don't we just put a program in Is We will offer a very popular financial management uh, program. And if they finish it, we'll give them 500 bucks. And one of the uh, ladies in the company ends up taking it. Uh, Two years later, she's out of debt and buys her first house for her family. So cool. That is easy, small, Mm bite-sized, huge. Like, How did you impact that family? Not only for this generation, but like, what is she going to teach her kids and how does that go? So I think, you know, we, we always have these grandiose, because of course we're entrepreneurs, we want it to be big, we want it to be loud, and we want it to be seen. And it's sometimes the little things that have a huge impact on one person's life that, uh, that give us the same credence and, and joy.
0: Which, and I think as you start to look at those different things, differently versus just you know going like you said on the same same page meetings and stuff like that instead of all talking about revenue and stuff it's like the it's the holistic what else what's important here I mean maybe explain your kind of your waterfall because I think the waterfall in the book there's a lot of people that maybe have the wrong order of things which allows them to not you know think like this
1: yeah so this actually came from uh, a client uh, we were talking uh, at a one-on-one. And he's like, I think my priorities are screwed up and I need a way <laughs> to remember them. And I'm like, okay, that's that's a great conversation. Um, unfold that. And so through his morning time, he's like, okay, here's, here's the waterfall approach. And like a waterfall, the top to bottom, it fills things up. So you have to fill in the top before you can go to the next level and fill that up. And so at the top of uh, the waterfall was God. You know, love the Lord your God. That's that's numero uno. And then, second is uh, love your neighbor. And so, who's your neighbor? Well, that starts with your spouse. So, God, spouse, the next bucket that you fill is children. Then the next bucket is work. And the final bucket is community. And as you look at your prioritization of time, and energy, of course, the first thing everybody just did as they're listening to this is, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That's, <laughs> I, what am I going to spend like three hours praying and then I'm going to go like out on a date with my wife every single night? No. yet there are uh, pieces to that that make it very real. And so the whole point is, what's the point of gaining the whole world and losing your soul? Um, and so if we take that verse and we work it through the waterfall this amazing thing happens right so what's the point of gaining the best marriage if you lose your soul god what's the point of gaining the best kids if you lose your spouse what's the point of gaining the best company if you lose your kids and what's the point of being a giant pillar in the community if you lose your company and with that in mind you can see priorities. And that waterfall is a nice quick check. And then one quick tip, if you're having a problem with something lower on the waterfall, concentrate on the one above it. Hmm. If you're having trouble with your spouse, you'd be amazed if you spent more time with God, uh, what he's going to do in your heart to help that along. Having problems with your children, go spend more time with your wife. You'll get on a further same page and you'll talk some stuff out and it should get better with your children and so on and so forth. So your work is it? Should I stop working? No. Should I work less? Maybe. I don't know. It depends on your situation um, and where you are in life and where your company is. So that is, that is the waterfall. And that was a giant aha, uh, not only for me, but for a lot of people because we do it, we do it backwards a lot.
0: It, which is so funny, too, Dan, because, like, when I think about, like, the the principles that we preach is, like, you know, I, like, when you start to have these imbalance, there's a lot of weird things that actually take care of themselves where, you, if you, <laughs> right, I mean, like, you're like, oh, okay, so, because <laughs> I think there's a there's a, there's, I I believe scientifically that entrepreneurs, their brain is wired to the point where like, you know, we have a lot of dopamine that is, that we have quick hits because we're putting out fires. We have a lot of ego that is like feeding because we're like, like you said, the head honcho or the CEO. So there's a lot of the stuff that scientifically makes the situation happen, which therefore people then work too much and are too involved in their business. However, the more that you would systematize things, reduce your ego and get out of your company, the more valuable it is. So there's like this weird like, par- like paradox that happens that like we, we should do all these things, but people think that they shouldn't because we're actually fighting science.
1: <laughs> so I, that is true in so many different ways. Uh, that I call the founder syndrome. I did every job up to now and... I know how to do it, manage it, measure it, and I can't get out of the way because I can't stop looking over your shoulder and getting it done. Or I can up to an extent, but then there's these always three or four um, tentacles that I have attached to those things. So I think it's a huge challenge to unhook what you know as the founder or the person that started it and to give that to other people.
0: So, and I think that's what's that ties to some of the stuff that you got in your book, which I think, and a lot of stuff that we probably both adhere to, like what your definition of leadership, and like there's in how that impacts that situation that you're talking about. Mm. Mm. Say more. So, the, like, I guess maybe to I'll expand on my question is in like yeah. So maybe give your definition of leadership versus you know I think the the dictator that I'll just, you know, again, you're seeing a lot of that stuff being being pushed that direction because of the millennials and the culture and the low unemployment. But like, what is your guys' definition of leadership and how is that different and how does that actually help the situation?
1: Wow. So I hope there's not a definition that I can't remember. Uh, that's sitting in the book. Yeah, um, no, no,
0: no, no, no. I just, as in like your concept of like leadership, you know, maybe even a story or example. I'm not looking for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Fair enough. I'm like, Oh goodness. What page do I not? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please reference the page. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Like so, as in like an example of like, you know, like, I mean, servant leadership or something like that, that you've seen sure. that helps us at this situation.
1: Uh, So, leadership, all things rise and fall on leadership. Leadership is, and and I think we inherently know that, and you can see it all over the world today. Uh, With the amount of leaders that are falling in politics and in their companies and in churches, uh, there is no better time to be a pillar of a leader than right now. And I'm sure every generation has actually said that. We're saying it for this generation. And leadership is a me model, to so we model, I think, is the simplest way to do it. So spotlight on me, to spotlight on others, how do you manage that? Uh, it's, uh, there's a book by Bob Chapman called Everybody Matters, and he really simplified it for us when he said, every single person in your company is someone else's precious child you're like oh well they have a spouse and kids and a mom and a dad and therefore we should treat them like that and that mindset shift alone changes how you interact and what policies you have and you know how much mercy and how much grace but with still the same accountability that they need cuz discipline is an important part Uh, You know, there's an entire couple of sections on discipline and Proverbs. You still need that. So in the most simplest form, it's um, me to we. But back to all things rise and fall on leadership, how you go, so goes the company. Rourke Denver, who's a former Navy SEAL, uh, has this great story where he tells a typical Navy SEAL story. And the, the master chief says, hey, if you lose your head, you lose your head right? Calm is contagious. You're calm. Your team is calm if you're fired up. And I would increase that to all of your emotions are contagious. Mm -hmm. If you're positive, you're contagious. If you were fearful, you're contagious. And so learning to lead ourselves is the next wave of learning to lead our team. Um, Because when the numbers get big and the stakes get high and the risk gets big how we go so goes our company
0: well it's interesting too there's so much there too because i mean you talk about obviously you're you you talk about your circle and your profits in the book but then also it's the people and the leadership and your, your your peer groups as an owner and a leader because it's super lonely and being able to reach out to other people for help too by the way is way more Way better, anyways, because you're not in there. Um, I interviewed Jack Stack, and I think you guys have got some material on your website about him. And he's like, he goes, I don't want to answer the questions because then they think I have all the answers. <laughs> I was like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. And he's like, Yeah, that's less work on my part. <laughs> so it's like, it's just so interesting because i forgot where i was going with that but you're talking about like oh get you know getting everybody on board and that you know like you know he was talking about what you know, there's a there's a high correlation i think um and i'm curious in your guys community dan of of people doing esops and selling to their employees to get everybody on board than there is in other communities i think because it just naturally like in the in the inner gut structurally aligns everybody i mean is there any common? Uh, denominators or common things and, and trends that you see in your guys' uh, peer groups and community. No, and here's why:
1: there is so many different types of businesses, and I'm sure you see the same thing. Um, restaurant guys' opportunity is different than construction person or marketing agency versus you know plastic bag manufacturer. Then there's family contingencies. all the check boxes that you go down (laughs) as (laughs) as you're like oh my goodness yeah no you're right you're totally right so what what are the themes the themes are more management buyouts or at least the opportunity for management to weigh in if that plan is put in place i'm sure you feel this way somebody's like when's the best time um, to start thinking through my succession
0: strategy it's like about 10 years ago (laughs) What? What's the oh, next? But it's like impossible to beat someone over the head with that, though. It's like, gosh.
1: so what's the next best time? How about now? And so I, I don't even think people are to the which version should I go with. It's the have I thought about it at all.
0: And sometimes it's, why is yeah. that? Why? Look, I've been trying to figure this out, Dan. And like, I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to promote for our upcoming boot camps, which is a crash course on how to do all this yeah. stuff. People are like, I'm not ready to sell yet. I'm like, how did you not understand? That is not what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, think about it. So what, what is the reason for that? I
1: don't know. Whoever figures that out and has the marketing message to relay that will uh will do very very well for themselves i think uh, a lot of m a advisors <laughs> i'm are, trying i'm really trying
0: and they can't figure, we'll figure out. it out we
1: need to figure that out because that is a that is a huge message one of the guys uh in our community he's like it's the three d's right now it's death disease and divorce that is what decides when you're gonna sell your company. and then throw
0: a big recession right on top oh, of oh gosh it's like why wouldn't you be like especially with that looming around like why would you think about and like when you think about everything we've talked about it's like it's like your ability to be happy and be financially sound and be able to impact is all hinging upon your ability to step up and wake up and in like in people you know what my analogy dan that i've given in the past is like it's like, and i know you guys had a reference to the matrix in your book what i love it's like <laughs> it's like you have all these people that are plugged in and then all of a sudden Neo sees the zeros and the ones and he grabs the bullet. And I'm like, that's it. (laughs) But like having him, having people wake up is so hard.
1: That's a beautiful analogy. It is grabbing the bullet. So I think it comes full circle. It's pride and fear. It's Mm -hmm. uh, my head's down. I'll figure it out when I get there. There's enough time left. A magic thing will come up and hit me in the head. Uh, And then fear of What will I do every day? It's almost like practicing retirement. Like what might this look like if I'm not there? And how do I practice this early and often uh, so that I do get maximum value when I have to be there 10% or I can answer the phone and solve some hard problems and that's it.
0: When it kind of goes back to being able to do that, like in the S curve before you sell can you imagine if you and I would have had that opportunity before the whole platform was gone? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's just... Is there things that you guys are seeing? Because um, like when you have your communities, I'm curious if the owners were like, there's this whole stigma. And I can't talk to my manager about this, and I kind of think it ties into our theme of leadership and you know reducing the ego. Is like people feel like absence of data with their own like, you know, their own stories, which is usually 10 times worse, right? Yes. So like, is there stuff that you're seeing with the, 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 the cause I think the leaders and the owners that are in your guys' world probably have, have a little bit more maturity of this, I'd hope, um, or, you know, or at least are on their journey of that, that are, they're communicating with their, their people differently about this kind of stuff.
1: So I'm obviously biased, but by being able <laughs> to talk about it in a circle of peers, helps give them confidence and language to talk about it mm-hmm. back to their team. Because there will be times when someone will say it and it'll either be terse or it will be, is that a promise? You re- are, do you really believe that? Is that a promise that you want to make? Because you can't try things on for size sometimes. Um, <laughs> the amount of times that I gave a quarterly address to the team and then had someone in my office four minutes after we were done saying, so does that mean I'm, I'm out of a job. Like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> Wait, what, what did I say? <laughs> what did you do here? Because I didn't say that, but say more, right? Uh, I, I think it's, it's similar. It's, it's practicing or being able to try on your ideas in a safe environment that helps you then talk to your team or having the one person in your team that really does understand. Hey, I'm just gonna vomit at the mouth, and I want to see how this, how you take this. So, do you have a trusted advisor? Um, as you mentioned, uh, who are your prophets inside? Prophets get a bad name because most of the time in the Old Testament they were gloom and doom, <laughs> right? They they just all they did was be like, repent, rethink what you're doing. It's gonna go badly. <laughs> Whereas prophet is really about truth tellers, and so having people that can tell you the truth. And you need some inside and you need some outside in order to have a healthy
0: you. Oh, yeah. No, that's I, I, there's a lot there. And I want to put an exclamation point on that you can't try on things for size, but finding the peer group or your people that anybody that you can at least walk through this stuff with, <laughs> you don't want to stand up in front of everybody and like, you, oh, that's a, that's a perfect example. <laughs> As we're kind of getting close to the end here, Dan, like what, you know, if you were to you know, obviously, pick up the book for everybody, and I want we can get into your the, the ways to contact you. But what are some things as you're, you know, if if you're a listener and you're hopefully still have your business and you're like looking up, what are, like what would advice would you give them? But also maybe a easier way to think about that is what advice would you give yourself hmm. back before you went through everything to help you see the zeros and ones and grab the bullet before everything happened.
1: So my biggest challenge was I didn't know what I didn't know, and I wasn't smart enough to ask Google things that I didn't know. So three months after the sale, I figured out how I would have funded it. But I had no idea because I, I just didn't know. I, I didn't know how long. I didn't mm-hmm. know which person. I didn't know what I needed. And of course, once I knew the game, I knew what questions to go ask. And so you don't know what you don't know. And our companies have become so sharp and narrow that the amount of innovation going on outside of your company is awesome. And so to have an accountant Mm -hmm. give a restaurant guy an idea and not take the idea initially, but have an idea, baby, I'm going to take that idea and that idea and create a new idea um, is unbelievable. So that would be one. Two would be: Would you bone up and communicate and hold people accountable? The amount of avoiding of hard conversations, of making gut shot split decisions, is what kills companies. This apathy of talking mm-hmm. to people, and there's there's a process in there to go through that. Uh, and then, how do you make decisions? Like really understand and breaking down. What is your decision-making process? Because what you do is so important versus how you do it. Getting off the gut shot curve or using that as one filter in 10 before you make big decisions, I see are the two or three of the biggest challenges people are facing today.
0: If people want to get in touch with your book, in touch with more content and information from you and your partner, what's the best place to get in touch with you guys? Sure. For the book, it is
1: sharpenbook.com uh, and our community is acumenimpact.com.
0: Dan, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Ryan. it's a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan. The theme continuously pops up, figure out what you want before it's too late, before you get another blue offer, attend one of our boot camps. It's two days. You'll figure out what you want and why, what your financial targets are, meaning what is your company worth? What do you need it to be worth? How do you understand how much money you get up front versus over time? What are the different exit options that are available to you and how do you understand the difference between private equity ESOPs, third parties, family transfers, what are the ways to increase the value of your company to get you what you want? And then, how do you hire the team of advisors that can help you optimize your plan? It's a no brainer. It's 5000 bucks for two days, and you'll literally get all the control that you need back. So that way, you walk out of there knowing exactly what your next step is in your journey to go get you what you want. Check it out on the website. It's arcona.io. We've got the bootcamp agenda. Reach out to me. I'm happy to walk you through the agenda. It's five grand in two days that will literally change your trajectory of where you're trying to go. That being said, I will see you next week.